0: Okay, people joining me on the line right now, none other, the original drummer and founder of Overkill, Mr. Rat Skates. What's going on, Rat?
1: Nothing, Doc. What's going on with you?
0: <laughs> Nothing much. Where are you at? West Coast? How's the weather out there? Because it's cold no, here. No, I'm not on
1: the West Coast. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm in the Jersey Shore, man. What's oh, that's there? right.
0: Jersey, Jersey. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, where are you? Uh, down in Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: So it's crappy there too.
0: Yeah, always. <laughs> so uh, f- people don't know, but um, I know I know you do a lot of movies nowadays and stuff, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Let's go way back to the beginning of Overkill and give these guys a little sure. bit of history. I I have some questions for you. I know at uh, the age of 15 you were a semi-pro skateboarder.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You still have? Yeah.
0: And then uh, you started playing jazz drums. When did you start doing that?
1: I mean, that whole thing started around the same time. And, and, uh, you know, jazz, that's like, you know, back then you couldn't find a teacher that would teach you what you wanted to know. Drum teachers taught you how to play drums. Right. And then the guy that I was studying with happened to be, like, pretty much jazz-oriented and, like, real, like... uh, traditional kind of stuff but well, that was really good right that was really good I, I didn't figure that out till much later but you know it's like having more tools in your in your toolkit
0: right you know, exactly the more, things,
1: the more things you know the more fun you're going to have doing what you do
0: right you right know? awesome yeah. so now Overkill in so many words actually started out as a punk rock band you guys did uh, yeah. Blitzkrieg bop, bop at a high school talent show back in 79 <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah.
1: First, uh, yeah, the first stage experience, you know, and that was uh, that was fun because you know, it wasn't hard to get through that song. There's like two changes, and you know, the drums basically do the same thing the whole song. So it's like we could do this. Let let's just be obnoxious and spaz out and play, and everyone's gonna go, "What the frick was that?" <laughs> you know. So <laughs> that was like
0: 1979, man. That was fun. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> Kind of in a way. Also, the original band name was not Overkill. It was actually Lubricants. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean you know, that that was actually Dee Dee and I had gone to school together. We're, we're from the, the same high school. Right. From the so we grew up in the same town. So that you know, the, us being the two guys that were putting this together, I mean, our our band in high school, yeah, it was it's called the Lubricants. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Which is still funny as hell. And just the fact that, that the, the singer that we had, who was just unbelievably funny, creative guy, to think of something like that now puts a, a smile on my face. Because even like so many years later, where stuff that was really heavy duty seems like it's like Disney now, right. it's just a, it's a funny name, you know, and so we just, uh, it was all about getting attention, being obnoxious, you know, and, and that's, you know, turned into the metal thing eventually.
0: Right, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And let's get into, you're the original do-it-yourselfer. I've seen your movie, Born in the Basement. I've watched it numerous times. And uh, I got to admit to you, I mean, me coming from the old school, you know, the 80s rock era, and you know, putting posters and flyers and all that stuff up. Can you give us a little bit of background of the do-it-yourself stuff, you know, as far as it went with Overkill?
1: Yeah, you know, it was the kind of thing where, I didn't, never, never thought like maybe this won't work or it'll be too hard or anything like that. It was just, you, it was really cool because we were living in a moment, and however we could promote ourselves, it just figured out a way. Like when the lubricants, you know, like that started everything. When as punks, you, did, you know, you made your own clothes. You just took millions of safety pins. First, you ripped up a shirt, <laughs> spray painted it, yeah. stuck safety pins <laughs> in it, you know, and just it was. Whatever you could do, you know, because you couldn't buy that stuff, so we made it. And so I kind of just carried that whole thinking forward without realizing it into whatever I I could do to get Overkill noticed. And eventually, of course, that all that all worked. But it was um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun for me to do Born in the Basement because um, some of the things that I did now, I, I look back and I go, you know, I, I can't believe we actually did that. Like we had, like. Four, like 40 milk crates, you know, to make well, a stage. That well, was wait, actually wait, our first MTV video. But we right. had scenery in front of it. But it was all built on, you know, uh, All Star dairies milk crates that we stole <laughs> from 7 Eleven. And, and it was great. You know, I just, it, it was, uh, you know, in your 20s, you just don't care about too much except just, right. you know, about metal and chicks and stuff, partying well, and all that. So. Well, like
0: you said, your two <clears throat> best friends are milk crates and a Xerox copy <laughs> machine. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, it's like, I, I had a lot of musicians since since I released that, you know, say, hey, you know, that was really cool. Because, you know, we never really, like, thought about it that way. But we use milk crates for everything. It's a part, it's like a part of music. Right. You know, like, disc jockeys of milk crates, bands of milk crates, we use them for so many things. Yep. And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and so the DIY thing, it just, it, it happened without, it wasn't intentional. It's just that it was the only way. And so instead of sitting around thinking, we'll just be good enough to get signed, and, and that, that's, that's just a fantasy. You know, that's not up to a band. That's up to the trend window that you're in at the time, and, you're, and it's up to uh, if a record label decides to take a chance on you. So, you know, we could sit around like a lot of bands were doing, going, we'll just wait till we get signed. Like, right. why don't we just keep doing it and building, let's build up what we can you know, this is fun. Let's just make it look, look, let's look bigger than we are. And that's eventually what caught Johnny Z's interest, who was, uh, you know, the president of Megaforce.
0: Right, right. yes.
1: Um, yeah, wherever he turned, there we were, you know, with something really big.
0: So, right. Well, I can yeah. remember seeing some of the overkill stuff in the magazines, you know, from back in the late 80s and stuff. And In fact, I probably <laughs> still have some magazines around here with it in there. <laughs> but Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: yeah that was my big thing is just sending stuff out to the magazines making it look big making it look like we were playing re- like I would take pictures and crop out like the first <clears throat> like four rows where there were no people standing and just leave the <laughs> front row right. you know so you see a bunch of hands up and the band all you know raging out and everything so like wow the people in Germany go "Oh, this is, this is a big band <laughs> you know and then right. they know we're in a club That's that's you know the right. only 20 people in the clover, are, like, basically standing in the front. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, hey, you, you know, got to do it. You remember it. those pictures, you know, and a lot. Yeah. I think other bands w- were doing it, maybe not to the extent I was, but they they were. You know, Kerry King was making all his own clothes, and Caden, right. uh, DeFena from Hyrax, he did so much stuff himself, you know, and it was really just the spirit of that time. Um, that's what we did, man. Um, th- th- because thrash metal didn't have any blueprints or guidelines, you know. It hadn't right. been... Developed yet, so right. did whatever we could.
0: Right, and and a rubber stamp's your best friend too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: See, I want you know, I paid no, attention to yeah, the movie. I mean, there were no, no, pr- no, uh, no, inkjet printers, no CD burners, you know, none right. of that stuff. So right. an ink stamp and the logo, because that was really, and to this day, that logo really is a huge identification with Overkill. Is that right. green logo, you know? Right. And and that was like. You know, when KISS, you remember from back in the day, whenever you saw the word KISS, you oh, yeah. you, you really saw their logo. You saw those two little swastika or, or you know, uh, the S's, you know, the German right. style S's. Right. Yeah, and so they were building the brand and that's what I said, like that's cool, let's let's just do that. So that's what the rubber stamps were about.
0: Okay. Uh, we got a couple questions for you from the chat room. Jersey Joe out there wants to know who were your influences?
1: Um, I suppose you're talking about drumming influences? Uh, I
0: would, yeah, I'd, I'd say. say drumming or, you know, band influences.
1: A, a lot of influences, but, I mean, Dee, Dee and I, especially in Overkill, we we definitely, you could hear it very much on Feel of Fire. We were really into Clive Burr and Steve Harris, what they're doing, you know, that, how tight they those two guys play together. And, um... Uh, Clive was, you know, huge inspiration for me. I got a lot, a lot of inspired, um, favorite drummers. I mean, Simon Phillips, who played on, who isn't really even a metal drummer. You know, it's just, right. it's like, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, Les Binks, who played in the first couple of Jesus Priest records and stuff like that. I mean, there's like, there is like, there's so many, and. Um, no, again, not all really necessarily like heavy metal drummers. Just drummers who were playing cool stuff. As a drummer, you know, you want to want to play stuff that's you know fun and interesting, and that other drummers ultimately go, "Wow, that's like that's awesome," you right. know. And uh, I mean, I have so many. I, I from from jazz fusion guys really, to um, to everyone. I I just um, I got a lot.
0: Right. Very cool. we got uh, Joey Bagnato in a uh, uh, bar down in Kissimmee, Florida. And the whole bar's tuned in. It's down at Coach's Corner down in Kissimmee. And uh, Joey wants to know. The
1: whole bar, huh?
0: Yeah, the whole bar.
1: (laughs) Um, I used to go to bars, but I I like being (laughs) in bars too much, so I I can't go there anymore. (laughs) But cheers to everyone in the bars. That's it. (laughs)
0: He says, hey, Rat, I've been a big fan since the beginning. Do you think there could ever be a reunion? And what? And I want to be in your next metal movie. How, when, or where.
1: <laughs> the next movie, well, I'll talk about the movie stuff. Okay. But, I mean, a reunion, you know, reunion is a funny thing because um, when you really, I mean, honestly, when you think about reunions, reunions are, uh, um, a lot of times are put together so those musicians can collect a paycheck, and a lot of times that's that's really what happens. You know, I haven't been on stage with with Overkill, you know, in in many many years, or Bobby and You know, I talk to him all the time. We talk about this stuff, and it's like. If it really, I think if there was really, really a, a, a big interest in it, a lot more people would be talking about it and asking about it. I think the guys who are currently running Overkill, they really don't want to hear that. They want to be known for what they're doing now. and right. I, I do understand that. And it's probably pretty annoying if people are constantly asking you about stuff, stuff that happened 20 years ago. You know, there's a the point where it's like, it's like watching like, 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 like an athlete who's just fantastic, but when are starting to go downhill and you know that, you're like, ah, oh, you know, I, I wish the last game I saw was when he was really at the, at the peak of his game. And I, I think with musicians, it could be the same thing to an extent. Um, would it, why would we do it? Um, I don't know, just to say we did it, would it be like the crowd walking away going, I mean, we could never go like, wow, that was just as good as it was back in the '80s, because it's it's just not going to be the same. Right. And so, at the end of the day, is everyone going to want going, Well, those guys guys got really old, or you know, they play slow now or whatever it is. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if it's if it's even if if it's worth it to do to, to do something like that. So, to answer um, Joey's question, who knows? I mean, I have an open mind to, for anything, I really do. But um, I I don't know. That's a question I, I can't answer.
0: What are you doing now musically?
1: Musically, what I do is I play music and have fun with it, right. and I don't do anything serious because I have an addiction, and I have an obsessive compulsive kind of thing with music where, the the uh, the more I do it, the more I want to keep doing it and like building another overkill again. And right. I did that, and I I'm happy at what I was able to do. So things are different now I'm really thankful that I have you know the film world that I I love to be in and every don't do music for any reason of or uh, not I'm not trying to do anything professionally so to speak um, although there I before I am too, too old there is going to be something, else, uh, at least one thing that I, I will be doing. Um, okay. I mean, Bobby Gustafson and I talked about doing some stuff together. And, you know, again, is it something real urgent? Are we doing it for the right reasons, which would be because we really have something to say? Or are we doing it to just say, hey, man, here's the two guys who aren't in overkill anymore, like putting something out there just to say, hey, look, we're putting something out there. Those are, the, like, the wrong reasons, you know? Right. So... Musically, I play. I have fun. I don't just play drums. I play other things because it's fun. All music's fun. Um, and I, I keep it with the film stuff I'm doing. So, you know, as long as I'm doing something creative, um, then I'm not suicidal.
0: <laughs> uh, I got another question for you from the chat room, Rat. Uh, ben from a band called yeah. Stolen Rain. He wants to know what music or bands are you listening to now, a day, nowadays, you know?
1: That's, that's an interesting question, because um, I really, I, I go, I, I can't help it. I mean, when I put on something, it's it's old school stuff. Um, right. I'm not really, uh, I think there's some tremendous talent in metal bands out there now. I really do. But um, I don't hear the songwriting like uh, like what we were doing in the 80s. You know, right. of course, I'm biased because I'm part of that era and stuff. So I really I don't listen to uh, to too much new stuff. It's mainly uh, the old school stuff. You know, right. um, I think I think person. I mean, personally, this is just my opinion that some of the legacy bands, meaning you know Anthrax, Slayer, you know Megadeth, right. Exodus, are put some good stuff, but not all of it. The end of the day, I think as long as they're happy, they're doing it for the right reasons. Then God bless. I think that that's awesome. You know, you should play music because you want to, not because you have to, or because you're scared to do something else.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, your movies. I mean, Born in the Basement. I love it. I think every metal band or every metalhead out there should watch Born in the Basement. I know. Now,
1: I agree with you.
0: <laughs> I mean, I know nowadays, you know, with technology the way it is and Photoshop and all that stuff, but to get down in 30 and see, you know, how it was really done, and I don't really want to say back in the day because I do help promote shows here in Pittsburgh, and I'm not putting flyers out. I'm not handing them out, you know, and but Board in the Basement is a must-see for any metalhead or metal band out there. I'll uh, let you take it from there?
1: Well, I, well, I appreciate you saying that. Um, my intention of doing that was very much not for anything except to, to really just truthfully say, this is like how I was thinking, this was the environment, and this is what happened, and this is how I did it. Whether or not anyone says that was really, like, you know pushing it or that wasn't whatever i i I don't really you know i don't care about that i i just wanted to tell a story i know there's other musicians especially from my circle that would say that's it that is what we did right that is needs to be told because again like i was saying earlier we didn't have any blueprints we didn't have industry behind us yet and when we did get the industry behind us all the bands they messed things up for us. You know, they really did. And not to get into the whole thing about royalties and all that stuff, but really, if you notice, as a perfect example, all all of the, the major thrash bands, every, like their first three records, at least three, sounded all very different from each other. And besides everyone really kind of like, you know, follow, like being on Metallica's leash, which really that, you know, that's, that's how it kind of was. But the engineers weren't used to stuff like that. They didn't know how to record it. It wasn't really known how to record to produce because it was so just over the top. So right. it's like, we're, you know, what, what do we do with this? So, um, you know, it was, it was an interesting time. I mean, and then, you know, by the end of the 80s, you know, a lot of stuff had obviously burned itself out because it too... Yeah, everyone was trying to do the same thing. You know, right. everyone started to kind of look the same. Everyone started to kind of, you
0: know. Yeah, but us metalheads with medi- the.
1: Me- yeah, mediocrity <laughs> is what brings it all down.
0: But us metalheads with the denim over the leather, man, we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: know. You know, I'm going to always. That will never leave me. It's impossible. It's in right. my DNA and it's in yours too, you know? and right. And everyone. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're going to die with this stuff in you. Um, I, I, I'm not the kind of guy just because the way you know I chose to get out of it and now I'm happy I'm very thankful I did it I have it I, uh, and everything all of the the wonderful times I had before I met that was all great but I am also thankful I was able to move on to do some other things It's like right. everyone gets to write a book maybe one day when their careers are at an end and like well what did you do I did a lot of things I'm still doing a lot of things right. so, um, and, and I, I will always do it with you know with uh, you know, like you say, the denim and the leather kind of kind of thinking behind everything.
0: Right. I got another question. I got another question for you from the uh, owner of Hard Rock Radio yeah. Live here. He says, "Where do you think the industry is headed for musicians in the future with selling music? We all know ripping off stuff. What's the new direction?"
1: Yeah. Well, uh, that's that's a that's a. Uh, really good question. I think everyone's really trying to figure that one out. But, of course, the industry has imploded, and all the musicians are very thankful of that. And all the, um, you know, that's a really, instead of getting into a real kind of, uh, thought about it, you know, the DIY thing is happening now because it has to, Right. you know? Um, right, right. It, it really does. It has to. But the thing is, here, here's where there's a big, big question mark, and I don't think this could be answered very easily, is that if if a lot of us agree, especially like, whether you're from the old school or if you're from, the, from now, whatever, if you're 20 years old or 50 years old, is that there was a different quality of music back then. You know, it's considered classic stuff. Now, why is that? It's not because talent has disappeared. I think it's because... The thinking is different and what's making the thinking different. I think that right now the young guys or the guys for the first time are distracted a lot. You know, like the whole thing I was doing, we didn't have like Facebook and stuff like that. Now, right. Facebook, group, Facebook and all actual media shit, is it good or bad? Well, you know what? It's good because you get your name out there essentially and someone has to put their time into it. But the time is usually one of the musicians who's doing it. And his mind now is starting to be occupied with how many hits is he's getting on and likes and all this crap on Facebook. Right. And he's not, his, his, his ultimately his songwriting suffers because there's, it's like the attention span, you know, people don't like kind of like spend enough time with a song. It's just kind of like, you know what I'm saying, get it done and quick and it's too like consumable and, and I don't know. It's, uh, so the direction I'm sorry I'm straying from your question here but the direction it's headed is I don't I, I think it's kind of kind of stay where it is for a while with bands and of course bands that have even management um, that aren't totally self-managed and stuff if they do have quote unquote industry people behind them they're, they're telling the musicians to like look we're just going to play for 10 bucks for exposure just give all the CDs away just do, do this and just And at the end of the day, it's like, if you give stuff away, you're telling people that it has no value. Right. You you don't give valuable stuff away. Right. And you give away free stuff that's junk or whatever, but you can't... So it's like, I think there has to be a big, big turnaround of thinking of musicians. You know, got to say, wait a second, we're the guys making this stuff. We're the guys that need to be getting paid for it. So it's it's a different era. I mean, a lot of things are... uh, you know, are, are still changing and kind of themselves out. But um, songwriting's got to come back, and that's going to all come back with, you know, being at, at peace of mind to do that. Right. You know, so. Um,
0: yeah. Are you working on any new movies now? I mean, you have some stuff in the works.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do. Um, and you're, you're, a, your movies aren't like go to the theater and watch movies. They're different. <laughs> Unless you're working yeah, on. Yeah,
1: I it. mean, um, you know, that's just like if you think about it, independent music, like independent. Rat,
0: right, you there? Okay, we're back with Ratske. Sorry about that a little bit of technical difficulties there.
1: <laughs> it may it may be me. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it probably is.
0: Yeah, we were talking about your movies, and uh,
1: oh yeah, um, a big thing I've been working on, which is going to be like mega, like the most important, without an arrogant, uh, the most important movie ever to come out. Born in the Basement, I did write with musicians in mind. This also is it's it's for musicians. It's called Welcome to the Dream. As of right now, it's titled Welcome to the Dream. If you go to welcometothedream.com dot com, you can see all of that or read all about it. At this movie, very much, um, it was started out as a documentary, and it's turning into more of an actual movie with a big big budget. Um, and essentially, what it is, is it follows a musician. Um, it follows him from what he thinks the the world of rock and roll is about and what life is about to what it really is, and it's someone who is uh, had some some mental disabilities too, which okay. which most artists do. Right. And that may sound like wow, how could you say that? But they really, really do. Most artists have either ADD or OCD or combinations or bipolar and stuff, and that's just kind of the. The trade-off for this high level of creativity a lot of people have and I'll tell you man look how many overdoses and Whitney Houston and Amy Winehouse right. and things still are happening right and people think well why do they just party so much these people can't cope with stuff right, right? you know I'm a recovering alcoholic and I know that you know I'm powerless over that the general public doesn't realize that what admission is actually powerless over it, and they also go through their lives with these things never diagnosed and don't realize they have them, and their managers realize they have them, but they just like keep them with the stuff to get them on stage and and make the money, and, and that's the end of it. Right. So it really is going to yeah open a lot of eyes. It exposes um, the the business end of it, it uh, the mental part of it, everything, the camaraderie, the. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's it's taken a while. You know, the economy's bad, and it's like I. To make a long story short i had one of the co-producers from american idol call me and talk to me about this for a while and they wanted to do a reality show they wanted to take the whole idea and make a reality show i said that's part of the problem and i'm right. like kind of like blacklisted myself myself over in in some circles over there because I said, this is part of the problem, making it into a friggin' reality show, which is, like, again, it's just, like, short attention span. It doesn't help people. You just want to, like, just exploit, like, the sex and the the drugs part. Forget it. No way. Well, there's so um,
0: much more that goes on, you know, that people don't realize. You know, like you said, you know, the sex, the drugs, uh, you know, there's a lot more behind the scenes that people don't realize. They think, oh, wow, these guys made it big. You know, they're living... But they got problems they got to deal with every day.
1: That's right. A simple conclusion, very very simple for most people would be like, if this life is so great, why are the artists suicidal? Why are they? Right. Why are they so heavily addicted? Like, you know, uh, if it's if it's this like, yeah, this fantastic like you know euphoric kind of life. No, it's not. Right. You know, but once you're in it, you're afraid. You're, yeah. You know, you get into a place where you're afraid to leave it too, because it's a one in a million uh, opportunity that people they dream about it. Once you get there, is it what you thought? No, it's not what you thought. Right. You know, and some people deal with it, and and some people, you know, they can't. Right. So, um, you know, I got I got out while I still could deal with it because it was my problem. I'm like, I, c- I can't do this. I can't right. I can't live all of my life in a tour bus. I I can't. Right. I can't do it.
0: All right, Rat, I'm not so, going to um, hold you up much longer, yeah, but do yeah. uh, you have websites and stuff you want to put out there so people can check out?
1: Yeah, ratskates.com. I have a lot of articles I wrote for musicians and links to everything that went on. So that's rats that's one word. And uh, welcome to com. you got to put a hyphen in between every word. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm I'm doing a book. <laughs> I'm doing two books, actually. Very One cool. is on songwriting. I'm not going to get into it, but I'm, I'm talking to some of the biggest songwriters, like, ever. Like, you know, everyone from, like, the Eagles to Aerosmith on on, uh, on songwriting, like we were talking about before. Like, yeah. what kind of frame of mind do you have to be in, right? How did you do this and everything? By the way, so um, that, and I'm also doing something about the Old Bridge Militia. Okay. If you know who they are. Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 so it's all, all be announced on the website, but working, it's all, it's all uh, happening all at the same time
0: and people out there I can't stress enough especially up and coming bands you gotta see Born in the Basement it's just it's I, I love it man I've watched it like five times <laughs> and every time <laughs> I, I pick something else thank up you know it's like yeah man we used to do that you know putting flyers out and I mean I'm partial old school you know
1: <laughs> yeah but th- thank you I, I appreciate you watching it like that and um, I'm glad you enjoyed it. thank you
0: Okay, Rat, I'm not going to hold you up much longer. I greatly appreciate you coming on the show tonight and taking some time out to talk you know, about the early overkill days. And I will keep in mind that milk crates and copy machines and a rubber stamp are <laughs> band's <laughs> best friend. I will never forget that.
1: At least they were back then. I mean, um, right. but I, I appreciate your time Doc, um, talk for, uh, for the interview and stuff, and thanks.
0: Okay, no problem. Thank you, Rat.
1: All right, man. Peace. Take care.
0: Peace.